Good afternoon. It is Wednesday, December 16th, the technically the second day of the early signing period, but I kind of honestly forgot that was still going on because everything happened yesterday, uh, the first day of the early signing period. A lot of stuff to talk about. Mitchell Forty will join me to do that momentarily here on the 573 Report. We are brought to you every week by 573 Tees. We will not be brought to you next week by 573 Tees because uh, I will be in Dallas and Mitchell will be in um, in St. Louis and it will be a big day in Mizzou sports. But uh, look, guys, you might have heard about this whole uh, supply chain thing. I've heard a little bit about it. Apparently, if you uh, wait until December 16th to order your Christmas presents, you might not get them. Well, you know what? If you go to 573Ts here in Columbia or 573Ts.com, you've still got a shot because they're going to uh, do their best to get you your stuff by Christmas. I hope I'm not cashing checks that they can't write here. Um, but you know, give them a shot. They're a local business. They do custom orders. They'll do anything for you, all sorts of Mizzou gear. So if you've basically screwed up all year and done nothing and gotten no one presents and they're Missouri fans or Cardinals fans or Kansas City fans, whatever, check out 573tees.com. You can uh, go there. Maybe you can even get them a Power Mizzou shirt. I'm going to be honest. If your wife or your kids open their presents on Christmas and get a Power Mizzou t-shirt, they're probably not going to be big fans of yours. But, hey, if, you, if you're running out of time and you need something, go check it out. Uh, 573tees.com slash collections slash Power Mizzou. And they also have plenty of other good stuff that you guys can check out while you're over there. So uh, certainly hope you do that. And uh, thanks to 573tees for working with us all year. We bring in Mitchell Forty now. And, uh, Mitch, long day yesterday. A um, little bit easier today so far. Knock on wood. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, signing day is always a big day and there was extra stuff to cover in person. So we did it despite the uh, semi-tornadic activity, the very high winds and and stormy, uh, stormy conditions. So, yeah, it was good. It was good to, uh, you know, get to talk to the coaches and, and talk to a few of the prospects and uh, generally just cover the thing. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was driving back from St. Louis last night and there were a couple times where I was like, well, this is it. This semi is just going to tip over right on top of me. And oh, well, at least I got to go to the uh, the signing day reception at at the Midwestern. So uh, fortunately, we both made it home. And normally we wait on the questions. And if you guys do have comments and questions, uh, get them in and, and we'll get to them in the second half of the show. But I got to I got to start. I got to get this one in. And I want to say before I put this on the screen, Case, you're on here every week. I'm truly not trying to poke fun at you. But uh, Case wants to know if there's any news like twenty on twenty twenty three guys like Samuel and Pimba and and Miles McVeigh, and here's what I love about people that are interested in recruiting and follow recruiting. It is two oh one on Thursday afternoon. DJ Wesselak committed at about three forty on Wednesday afternoon, so that was about twenty two hours ago. It's the highest ranked class in school history, and if you are a fan of recruiting. Those guys, old news. We don't care about those guys now. Now, what about the 2023 guys? And again, Case, like, I'm not making fun of you, dude. I've been doing this for long enough. I know this is how it is, but it just, it's amazing. And it's almost even, like, we saw it in this class, Mitch, you know, it was mostly done before yesterday. And I understand people who are left thinking, oh, man, I wish yesterday would have been more exciting or there would have been some surprises or something. But 
Literally, if this was the same class and Luther Burden had an announcement at East St. Louis High School at 9 a.m. and Sam Horn had uh, an announcement at Collins Hill at 11.30, like somehow people would feel better about it because it, it, it waited longer to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and there probably would have been some more angst leading up to yesterday, obviously, if all the, the, these highly ranked people fell into place. I think part of the reason why there was a little bit of a hollow feeling is because the expectations had gotten so high because, you know, Mizzou, Mizzou was flirting with the top 15 class and had gotten guys like Sam Horn and Luther Burden. But yeah, I mean, like I get to an extent where people are coming from, but it's hard to be disappointed with the highest ranked class in Missouri history. Um, you know, I mean, like I think I think part of it is just kind of missing out on some of the inner entertainment of signing day when you look over like oh that that guy's flipping to that school that guy's flipping to that school that you know we've got Travis Hunter going to Jackson State it's like oh I want to get in on that that wasn't really the case for Mizzou and also like you know, all, frankly, if we had done our jobs less well and not told anyone that Wesselak was going to pick Mizzou, there probably would have been some more excitement about that. And also if he hadn't dropped in the recruiting rankings. Um, but overall, like, you know, I, I get I get where people are coming from a bit. And I'm not trying to say you're wrong for for feeling like, you know, a, a little hollow after yesterday. But it was it was still a success for sure. A successful uh First part of the class. There's more to be done. Drew Hoods mentioned that yesterday, but I mean, clearly the staff was happy about it. If they paraded across the state and you know had several different recruiting functions and went on SEC Network and ESPN Radio and all those places to talk about it. Yeah, and, and I want to be clear too. I like. I think we're falling into a trap a little bit where we now live in a world where two things can't be true at the same time. Like just because you say. I wish something else would have happened yesterday does not mean you don't like the class. I mean, nobody is saying, well, yesterday was boring. So this class sucks. No, everybody's very happy with this class, including almost every Missouri coach, which I heard mention at some point, whether it was Columbia, Kansas city or St. Louis, that it was the highest ranked recruiting class in school history, keeping up the signing day tradition that coaches don't care about rankings until the rankings look good, then the coaches kind of care about the rankings. For sure. For sure. And like, I mean, I, I really don't believe coaches are going to like recruit anyone based off their ranking rivals ranking or anything like that. But yeah, it, I mean, it, That's a good way to get fired. It's a very easy thing to sell. It's a very easy way to be like, look, trust me, these guys, I really am happy with this recruiting class because they're ranked high. <laughs> And uh, I do want to make sure that I somewhat answer Case's question from earlier. We haven't heard anything new on Samuel Mpemba or Miles McVeigh. I mean, we think Missouri's in really good shape with McVeigh. With Mpemba, I'm going to be honest, I think the Marcus Freeman hire at Notre Dame is going to make that really tough for Missouri. It's not impossible. Um, they've done very well locally, obviously. And, and Mitch, that was kind of the story. I mean, I, I tried when I wrote my story from St. Louis to couch it a little bit in that, look, the approach Eli is taking is not any different than any other Missouri coach. They all say, we want to recruit St. Louis. We want to recruit Kansas City. He's just doing it better than most of them have in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I, we're starting to get the answer to the question that we've heard over and over and over every year, is, which is how good can a Mizzou class be with if it just mainly keeps guys around? And that's what this is. I mean, 10 of the 15 guys who signed yesterday are from either the state of Missouri or just across state lines when you're talking Kansas City, Kansas or East St. Louis, Illinois. And, you know, we're talking about the number 18 class in the country. And yeah, there were some big out-of-state additions for sure. I mean, you know, DeForest Jones and Sam Horn are both top 250 kids. Sam Horn, obviously, being a you know the number five quarterback is a big part to any class, but it, it, it's huge. And I think they're just, I mean, this was the best, certainly in my time covering Mizzou, we've seen the staff do of just 
cover, you know, recruiting the state as a whole. You know, you get four guys from the Kansas City area. What was it? You know, four, I think, from the St. Louis area, two from from kind of the middle of the state. Um, it, it's it, it's really a, a good job. And uh, yeah, that's that's what every coach has said, had, has said they need to do, like you mentioned. And this one, the staff is just doing it better. Yeah. So two things. First of all, um, I actually think what you said there about Horn and Jones, that's the difference in this class, though. Because that's what Missouri is doing that Missouri has never done before. Gary Pinkle at times had great success in the state of Missouri. I mean, he had one year where he got like 11 of the top 15 or something like that. Basically, everybody he offered. Um, but what Eli Drinkwitz has done that literally nobody has done is go get a top 100 quarterback from Georgia and go get a top 250 running back from Texas. And these, these are the kids that don't come to Missouri. Like, there is, you know... People that say, "Well, we've never gotten Luther Burden." No, you have. You got a. You got Sheldon Richardson and Blaine Gabbert and Doriel Green Beckham. They were all Luther Burden like, right? So you've gotten that level of recruit before when they've been from Missouri, when they've been from East St. Louis or from Blue Valley, but you've never gotten this level of recruit from out of state. I think that's the big difference. And then, you know, I was doing another interview about the the class just before we started this, and I looked it up and. I, I didn't really know for sure, but I, I thought I remembered the number. Even in this year, Missouri only signed three of the top 10 kids in the state, according to our rankings. Now, they are not recruiting by our rankings. I, I'm sure if you ask them for their rankings, they signed more than three of the top 10. But the point is, there's still a kid going to Notre Dame and a kid going to Oklahoma State and some, like, I wonder if, you know, if if we see if next year Dominic Lovett and Luther Burden and Makai Miller and Jamarian Wayne and all these kids are doing these things, I wonder if maybe there there is even potentially another level to what in-state recruiting could look like. Yeah, I think there there could be. I mean, for one, I really think that this 2023 class is strong in the state. I mean, at least it seems like it to me. Of course, I'm not a scout, but like, you know, just glancing at the first rankings and, you know, obviously there, you've got, you know, three top 100 linemen who are either from in the state or right right across the border. And and by the way, like when you mentioned three of the top 10, yes, that's true. But Luther Burden doesn't count and he's from Missouri and he should. I mean, he's obviously would be the best player in the state. But anyway, um, yeah, you know, there's this 2023 class looks really strong. Um, obviously Mizzou already has one commit from an in-state kid in the class. There's a decent chance they could add another here very soon. Um, so yeah, I think that there is potentially, you know, even more that that could be done within the state. I, I never want to give anyone the impression that they're going to keep every single player home. That's just never going to happen. But yeah, I, I do. I do agree with that assessment. All right. So, um, they've signed what? 16. Or 15. They signed uh, 15. 15. Yeah. Because, and, and for, I, I feel like most of the people who watch this are subscribers and probably read most of our coverage. But for anybody who didn't, Deshaun Woods did not sign yesterday. He's an offensive lineman from Omaha. There is hope he could still sign in February. Um, I don't think that's a sure thing by any means. Um, because, you know, there are some things that, uh, I, like, I want to make this clear. He hasn't decommitted. There's not a threat he's going to sign with somebody else. There are just things that need to get get uh, done between now and February for him to be able to sign and, and play Division One football next year. And so whether that happens or not has a little bit of impact. But I'm looking at – I'm thinking 8 to 10, 11 more spots – so what I'm most interested in, and, and I ran through this on another show I did earlier today, so I want you to go first. Like, Where do you look at and say, okay, these are the transfer spots between now and, and, and June? 
I'd say um, number one is probably tight end because Eli Drinkwitz mentioned it yesterday and you had two guys transfer out there. That's a pretty obvious one running back. I think it doesn't necessarily have to be a transfer, but either you, I think you probably add one more body, whether it's a transfer or that Andrew Paul kid out of high school um, offensive line. I think you could probably stand to use one more. I think defensive tackle is pretty high on the list. Um, and then it certainly seems like they're interested in a secondary player or two. So I, I feel like I just named almost every position. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I do think that they'll end up taking, you know, what, what would that be, five or six transfers. And you didn't Maybe even more. mention linebacker, and I think that's possible. Uh, yeah. One one piece yes. of news that, that we did get about uh, an hour ago, I think, that could impact what they do um, recruiting-wise is that Trajan Jeffcoat is definitely coming back next year. And, like, I don't – think that's a shock by any means but I also think had Trajan Jeffcoat decided to go into the NFL draft which he was eligible to do I think somebody takes him I mean yeah it's it probably you know a fifth round something like that I don't think he's a day one or day two pick but you know so it is even if it seemed like it would probably happen I think it's pretty big for Missouri that it's officially happening yeah, I mean, it's always good to, you know, good to get that confirmation and know. And he did play certainly much better as this year went on. Him and Isaiah McGuire could really be solid bookends to that defensive line next year. So, yeah, good to get that clarity. Uh, one quick question here, while we, because we were already talking about it. Phillip says 14 Powers is reporting that Deshaun Woods signed his NLI. Is that, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I don't know what 14 powers is. I can tell you that Deshaun Woods did not sign his NLI. I was told yesterday he was not signing an NLI, and Missouri did not announce him as part of the class, and he never tweeted anything indicating he had signed an NLI. So I assume whatever 14 powers is did is go through every SEC team's commitment list and just say that they all signed without really having any idea if that happened. So um, he did not sign yesterday, no. Um Okay, so by the way, this whole NLI and NIL thing is is, is killing me. We drink, need we need to just find. Let's just make a more creative acronym for one of them. Drinkwitz made that mistake yesterday. I don't know if you caught it in the press conference, but he said that Luther Burden lost his NIL paperwork, and he meant yep. NLI <laughs> know, paperwork. Yeah. It was a but like that could theoretically like get somebody in trouble, right? We sent Luther NIL know, paperwork. So. Oh no, you didn't. But uh, you know, but it's a it's a very easy mistake to make, and uh, so I think. We can't talk about this signing day without talking about that part of it um, because I will just flat out tell you, in St. Louis last night, I had multiple people say, without NLI, Luther Burden is not here. I mean, that's just true. Without name, image, and likeness, without NIL, sorry, I just screwed it up too. Without name, image, and likeness, Luther Burden isn't signing with Missouri. I mean, I, I was just flat out told that by multiple people. And, and I don't think that's a secret. We've said that all along. And that I don't think that's a bad, like all this, well, I want him here because he loves us. Well, guys, that's not what this is. They don't grow up loving your school the way you do. They grow up looking for a place to play college football and now looking for a place that maybe they can make some extra money playing college football. Um, so, you know, it, it is a fact. And, and what I was struck by, and there's a couple different ways I want to go with this here, but, but number one, I was trying because I wasn't sure Eli would answer the question yesterday because it's kind of this dance where you don't know what you can ask and what they can say. And I don't know all the rules. So, you know, I started my question to him with, I understand that an NIL can't really be a part of the recruiting process. And he just cut me off and said, it can't. 
I mean, it obviously is everywhere. It's like Jimbo Fisher said on Feinbaum yesterday, this stuff's been going on forever. It's just legal now. But the idea that none of this is contingent on where you go to school or anything like that, it's all like just fantasy land. That's all it right. is. Yeah, and, and like everyone knew that was going to be the case, right? So a, a few, I have a few different points on NIL, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little more as we get going. First of all, um, I know that people are, you know, apprehensive about anything that changes college sports and, you know, starts to make it more professional and get rid of the shame of am amateurism and all that. But like for people who are saying like, oh, this only widens the gap, like we have a visible data point. We have proof that NIL helps Missouri get a good player. I mean, Luther Burden probably almost certainly goes to Georgia. It doesn't come to Missouri if it's not for this this thing, this new thing. So like that's reason for optimism. You know, you've got you've got the number one player in the country going to Jackson State. There's a lot of people who believe that NIL is a big reason for that. Wait, wait you don't Again. think you don't think that <laughs> Travis Hunter just said, you know what? I'd be a trailblazer. I want to do this. I want to go. I, mean, like, I want to go play non-major college football for I, I for free for the love of Jackson State University. I don't think so. But also, like, at the same time, even before NIL, it wouldn't have totally stunned me if Deion Sanders pulled something like that, like just managed to make it happen. Like, because it, it is Deion Sanders. But anyway, yes, I'm sure NIL is a huge part of that. So, you know, it, it is a thing that I, I do think can help Missouri. Now, that being said, that is going to require, you know, the fans to embrace it at a level of the other fan bases. I mean, like, basically, when you think about it, you know, as you said, this stuff and Jimbo Fisher said, Neil Drinkwitz mentioned it at the Kansas City thing last night. This stuff has always been going on. And when it's happened under the table, it's just a, a sheer just like whoever has the most money and is best at getting it to recruits without getting caught is going to recruit best. Now it's like, OK, if you can find creative ways and exploit, you know, the, the fact that kids have bigger brands maybe at local places or can be a bigger fish in a small pond than another five star at some of these talent mills. You can use that, but you have to be willing to, you know, you have to be willing to embrace that. You have to be willing to play the game. And that was something that Eli Drinkwitz and his staff really harped on yesterday. I mean, they mentioned it every time they opened their mouths. Like, look, if you like these results, you need to help us out. You got to you gotta embrace these kids, you know, show up and buy their merchandise and, you know, find ways to get money into their hands, basically, without saying that explicitly. So, and, and I can understand why that's maybe not a welcome thing for someone who's followed college sports forever to hear. Um, you know, the argument of like, well, why is it my job to give them the money and not the coaches and athletic directors who make a million dollars or whatever? I get where you're coming from, but this is how it's going to work now. And like Eli Drinkwitz is trying. I mean, he's he's trying to to take full advantage. And I do think he is a good guy to have on your side when you're going through a change like this, because he's very shrewd and he's going to be on the cutting edge. As he said yesterday, you know, he's got no no desires, no plans to be left behind. But he does. He is going to need help on this. That that's really the key. You can embrace this, or you can hate it. And if you hate it, it's going to hurt your team. And that's fine. Like I need to. I can't be any more clear that if there is any person out there who says I would never spend my money or my business's money to ensure a kid plays college football at Missouri. I respect that. I got no problem with that. You know what? I wouldn't I would, spend my would money that way. That. Either. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it either. So yeah. I, I, no problem. But the thing is, there are many people out there who will, um, it, whether they are Missouri fans or other fans. Um, it is like the idea it is going to kill college sports. It is not going to kill college sports. 
any more than free agency killed Major League Baseball or any of that. It is going to change it. It is going to look different. There is zero question about that. But I think that the best argument is actually what you said. Like, these athletic departments got to be smarter and got to be better with their money. Because you're asking these donors, hey, we need all this money to build this indoor facility. And, and hey, we need to use your plane to go recruit. And, hey, like, we know there's this thing going on with the basketball coach, you know, and that might cost us a lot of money. And also, you need to donate so that our kids can have books and scholarships. And also, if you want good players, we can't be involved, but it's now up to you for you to run a business that pays them to do commercial. I mean, at some point, some of this has to be on the, the athletic departments to take better care of their own money. And if I'm a fan and they're hitting me up for all these things, I, I really am going... So why do why do my two head coaches here make seven million dollars? Like, if I'm funding everything, why is so much money still going to them? I I understand that part of the argument, and I don't know the answer, and, and I know that these athletic departments will come back and say, "But we're losing money." We'll figure out why the hell you're losing money because Missouri's making two and a half times as much as they made about fifteen years ago, and they're still losing money. And that's not the fans' fault, and it's not that people aren't donating enough. It's that you apparently don't know what the hell to do with your money once you get it. Right, and, and I will say this: like NIL is super new, and it was ushered in after the NCAA. Basically, I mean, like they left it up to just everyone to figure it out. They gave absolutely no guidance. You know, they didn't even legalize it. They had, had to leave it up to the states. There is no uniform policy over what it's supposed to look like. There's no like kind of precedent for how to make it work. People are really just, I mean, they're figuring it out on the fly. And I do think that, you know, that eventually as we get more of a grasp on this thing, as we get, hopefully get a little bit of enforcement as to what is legal and what is illegal, again, that's maybe wishful thinking, but as we, as the market kind of sorts itself out as to what people are willing to do and give and what the standard is at certain places, I think it will be smoother. I like, yes, it is kind of a mess right now. I'm not like, I, I'm a proponent of the whole NIL thing, but I will absolutely acknowledge like, you know, as Drinkwitz pointed out yesterday, this thing at Texas where they're like, okay, any lineman can get this much money. Like to me, that was never what NIL w was supposed to be. And the NCAA, if it has any interest in doing its job right, which it probably doesn't, should crack down on that. You know, there should be other other limiting factors. You know, you, we start to get a handle on what it looks like, what fans can and can't do. I mean, that's been like the most popular question on our website the last day. It's like, okay, if I want to get involved in NIL, how can I do that? You know, we we need clarity on all of that. I think that stuff will start to sort itself out. But yeah, it, it's it's an interesting thing right now. And and look, I want to be clear that. I know neither one of us is smart enough to have the answers to these questions and we don't understand the issues even, but like, I, I'm curious. I think these kids this year and next year are best positioned to take advantage of it before anybody does figure out what the hell they're doing. Because like at some point, why can't you put in a cap on it? Like, yes, you can make money off your name, image, and likeness and anything you make over $100,000 is going into a trust or is split among the team. Like that is done with employees and with professional athletes all the time. And part the the part that that I do agree with a lot of fans about is okay, you want all these things cool. There are detriments. You don't just get them all and you get your scholarship and you're treated the same as always like there are there are things that come with this. Trade-offs. Okay, you want this money? Amen. You should be able to make this money. Also, we should be able to cut you. 
Also, we should be able to put in a salary cap. Also, if you're not playing well enough, we just say you're done. Like, we don't care what your grades are. We don't care how nice of a kid you are. You're not a good enough football player. You're done. You know, so all of those things are things that that have to be figured out. And I don't know, eventually, you know, every single time something changes in sports, it's the end of it. We hate it, and and it's going to be the worst thing ever, and it's never going to work. And the bottom line is, Next September, when Missouri fans are watching Luther Burden play football for their team, they care zero how much money he's making in endorsements off the football field. They only care if he can score touchdowns and make them better. And uh, whatever means that takes, <laughs> then then you can do it or not, and, and that's up to you. So I want want to uh, move on to the questions because uh, we're we're already you know already coming up close on half an hour. So want to make sure we get to everybody's questions. Uh, Todd says is Jamarion Wayne huge? He looks like a beast. Any comparison to a past tiger? Now, look, he is big. I mean, I I fully admit I, I I view a lot of people as tall. So me saying someone is tall may not be the breaking news here, but. I would guess that Wayne is 6'5 ish, 6'4, 6'5, you know, in that range. I mean, he's clearly significantly taller than Luther Burden and Isaac Thompson were. Um, he looks a little bit to me like a LaDamian Washington with maybe a little bit more weight on him. I mean, LaDamian was really skinny, but I think in most years, I think Missouri fans would be talking about Jamarian Wayne as the best receiver in the state and, and this kid that man, I'm really glad we signed him. It's just this year, like there's this guy that eclipsed everything and kind of blocked out all other light on other people. Um, but I, I think Jamarian Wayne, like I'll be really surprised if he's not playing as a true freshman next year. Yeah, I'm kind of writing a little bit about that um, for tomorrow morning, just about the receivers as a whole and a little more than just Luther Burden. And I got to hear Bush Hampton speak at the Kansas City thing last night. And yeah, he was talking about how, you know, I mean, when you when you turn on Wayne's film, you don't actually know what position he plays. And so like he's kind of raw and it will take some adjustment to, you know, learn how to run SEC routes. Eli Drinkwitz mentioned, you know, he's a guy who can really benefit from a college weight and nutrition program, but he is a freak athlete. I mean, he's, you know, playing quarterback, running out of the Wildcats, rushing for touchdowns, throwing for touchdowns, returning touchdowns. I think he scored some points as a kicker. Um, like he, he, he can do everything. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think that, uh, that, that he would definitely be getting more attention in a normal year. And I think that, I mean, both him and Mekhi Miller are guys who this staff really likes and they think they can come in and, and help probably pretty soon. I mean, the, the remake on this receiving core has been, uh, it's really impressive. You, you throw in Mookie Cooper, Dominic Lovett, Chance Looper, J.J. Hester. I mean, these are all guys brought in and basically in the last two, two and a half years. And they're all going to be – I mean, it, they're going to be like the top I, – I I don't know if anybody will be in Missouri's receiving core outside of Towski Dove that's in like the top eight or nine next year. Yeah, I was going to say Dove, but other than him, yeah. And I mean, certainly you hope they live up to it because that's been a position, frankly, of weakness uh, pretty much since Emmanuel Hall left. I mean, like there's just not been a ton of guys who can get separation and make – you know, big game breaking plays. And so, yeah, if you can, if you can add some more dynamism to that position, it helps the offense as a whole. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix night flame wants to know, does drink pull off another stunner and grab one of the transfer QBs out there? So uh, Spencer Rattler has gone to South Carolina, Dylan Gabriel. I don't know if you saw just committed to UCLA earlier today. I don't really have any indication that Missouri is, is after a transfer quarterback. I mean, 
I would think we'd have heard some, like if they viewed Adrian Martinez as the answer or something like that. I, w- I would think there would be some indication of that, and we've gotten none. But I, I really think I don't know. You correct me if you have gotten any different vibe. I think Eli Drinkwitz hopes Sam Horn comes in and wins the starting quarterback job next year. That's possible. Um, gosh, I just feel like counting on that would be a little bit foolish. Um, but and, I, and I, mean, I want to say I don't know that he's counting on it. I think he just wants it. Yeah, I mean that's possible. That's possible. I I don't think they're going to bring in a transfer quarterback. I think it would have to be a guy who they can't say no to, and. Frankly, a quarterback who Mizzou can't say no to is going to have a ton of options. So it would be tough to land him. And it's possible, but it's unlikely in my opinion. I think they're just going to, and we've said this before, you know, bring back the the guys, whoever wants to bring back, hopefully all three of the guys who are currently on the roster at Sam Horn and have it just complete open competition and say, all right, you know, we're going to, we're going to see who gives us the best chance to win, go from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like given the, the, you know, the, the, the lack of available spots and given the fact that, you know, I don't think he wants to push a bunch of guys out at the door and end up with like, you know, two guys in that quarterback room or something like that next season, I just would really be surprised if they bring in a transfer. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, Gavin Hart says, how worried should we be that burden transfers this time next year? I mean, I, I, no, really no more word than any other player, probably. I mean, like, look, he's going to play. I, I guarantee you, like, I don't guarantee things. Assuming he is healthy, Luther Burden is going to be on the field for Missouri's first offensive snap next year. I have zero doubt in my mind about that. He is going to play. They're going to throw him the football. They're going to do everything they can to showcase him. He is probably going to return punts. He is going to be on the football field a lot. So, I mean, I I don't know. I I guess the other alternative would be that he has a whole bunch of NIL deals and the people that are supposed to come through on that decide they don't want to do it and then maybe transfers. I don't know. But this is coming off kind of the comment Drinkwitz made that the fan base needs to do what it takes to embrace him and to keep him here. And I get that. I also, like I heard that and I thought, well, that sounds a little bit weird, but I don't think we need to start I don't have a draft written that Luther Burden is transferring at this point in time. My, my answer is no, you should not be worried about that. Not because I'm guaranteeing it won't happen, but because if you're worried about that the day after he signs, when we've still got like eight months until he plays his first game, it, it is going to be, that's going to be a stressful year for you. Yeah. Um, Stuart West is asking about Jeffrey Imbaugh to Auburn or Missouri. Um, I know you wrote about this or mentioned this yesterday, Mitch, I think. I, I personally, and I have no inside knowledge here because I don't know. I have no sources in French television. Um, I would kind of watch out for Miami here. Yeah, um, I actually. So yeah, I don't know where he's going to end up. I, I know that Auburn, Missouri, and Miami are supposedly his final three. Although his final group of schools has been changing a lot lately. Um, I don't think it's going to be Missouri. I, I chatted with someone last night who said that uh, you know if, if it's true that he has indeed signed and is you know waiting to announce uh, on the 29th, but has actually gone and went ahead and sent in an, an, a national letter of intent. It seems very unlikely that it would be Missouri. Yeah. Um, uh, another one from Stewart. The defensive tackle from Oregon would be nice. I saw they they offered a kid, Jason James, maybe is his name last night. I it appears to me he's gotten many many offers since entering the portal, uh, like yesterday or two I, days ago. Yeah. Frankly, that yeah, too much else was happening yesterday for me to really dig in on that one. We'll see. 
Yeah, but but yeah, it, it would be good. I mean, they could could certainly use him. Um, let's see, uh, a lot of nil stuff. Um, Mitchell Bennett says I have a hell deal. I don't. Oh, Heil deal. Uh, that's my microphone. I was like, well, I don't know what a hell deal is, but is it like hell a good deal or? Uh, okay, let's see. Um, keep on rolling through the nil comments. Zachary Ray wants to know if there's any shot that Connor Basilak enters the portal. I mean, there's a shot on everybody, right? I I don't I, like. We don't want to push kids out the door. We have no idea how the quarterback scenario is going to play out, but. Sure, let's say Brady Cook does start the bowl game, and let's say Bazelak doesn't play in the bowl game. Yeah, I think absolutely there's a shot then. Yeah, I mean, basically we're at the point now where I'm, I'm absolutely not going out on the limb and guaranteeing anyone, especially anyone who hasn't already used their one-time free transfer, is going to be back next year. Like, you know, you you would think uh, there's some, some guys where it would be surprised if they transferred, but especially at a quarterback at a position where only one guy can play, not guaranteeing anything. Yeah. Kyle wants to know surprised that there haven't been any transfer additions yet. I mean, you know, they had two visit. Um, so, you know, one of them they missed on, I, I saw nothing about Joseph Charleston and if he's committed anywhere, or done anything to be quite honest. Um, I, I mean, the thing is that yesterday, this week is a deadline for high school recruits, but it is in no way a deadline for transfers. Like, even if a transfer commits, it means nothing. Like, he because he can't sign a national letter of intent. He's just signing a scholarship agreement, and that doesn't matter until he shows up and attends a class. So, technically, all these transfer commitments don't really matter all that much. Um, I mean, I, I, sure, you'd like to have maybe seen one, but... The portal, like, that's going to be there for the next eight months, and I don't think it's in any way alarming that they don't have one yet. Yeah, this is the one area of, you know, the concern I've read about on the, couple, on, on the past couple days about, you know, finishing off this class that I've kind of tried to push back on. It's like, they're, you know, I know I know that a lot of schools announce transfers as part of the, the signing class just basically to, you know, in, in boost up their PR and say, like, well, like, it took one of our spots, so we'll go ahead and announce him, but there is no like you said this was not a deadline to add transfers there are a ton of transfers still out there there are going to be a ton more still enter the portal i mean once we get past bowl games there's going to be more enter once we get past get past spring practices there's going to be more enter you know maybe even uh, also you know end of a semester is coming up like there's going to be guys that enter then too so i mean like yeah i am sure that mizzou will take transfers eli Drinkwood said yesterday his philosophy is kind of you know replace the guys who transfer out with transfers in because you don't want to have a bunch of you know uneven classes in terms of uh, in terms of size in terms of class balance so i think they're kind of waiting to see a few more guys who um, you know, who leave, they were being a little bit picky with just guys they knew they would take who if they've brought on campus so far. And we'll see, see that ramp up a little bit here after the bowl game. Yeah. So, um, all right, we've gone 35 minutes and, uh, haven't yet gotten to basketball. So we'll briefly do that. Um, the return game from when Missouri went to Salt Lake and Keith Van Horn had 27 and 15 happens this weekend. Um, <laughs> Utah Missouri yesterday and so the focus is is naturally going to be on football but like it I mean there wasn't even like the no media day this week just kind of I I don't know the it, it's just the season is happening and nobody really is even noticing right now 
Uh, yeah, I mean, some people notice and take notice enough to voice their displeasure with the coach. But I mean, there's, you know, no desire to talk about it in any sort of nuance as to like, you know, what's actually happening and not on my end either, for the record. So, yeah, I'm, we'll be there. We'll cover it. Uh, you know, I mean, like, theoretically, it's not like some impossible opponent like Utah's nothing special, but not, I'm certainly going to stop well short of saying Mizzou has, you know, a good chance to win. Yeah. Um, Conzo Martin, though, did get some credit from Eli Drinkwitz yeah, yeah. for uh, for a big assist on Luther Burden. So, uh, you know, hey, maybe people feel a little bit better about Conzo than they did on Tuesday night. I'm maybe like, not. That's, you know, that's cool. That's nice. I, you know, I have no idea how true that is. I'm sure it's, I don't assume it would be a lie. And I know that I saw a lot of snarky comments about it. Like you, you can, you can still be dissatisfied with the job Conzo's doing with the basketball team and give him props for that. Like, that's nice. Mm, I'm not sure you can. <laughs> at least not if you're on the internet but it, it is a nice thought it's it, it, that's a that's a pleasant thought so um yeah so we got uh you know a, a possible commitment in football tomorrow um talked about that on our message board we got basketball coming up uh then you're headed to st louis and i'm headed to dallas and uh i don't know eventually things will slow down it just hadn't happened yet yeah, I feel like once we get through that uh, that double there a week from uh, today or yesterday, I don't know, the 22nd, then then it's kind of like, hopefully, a couple of slower days around Christmas. I, I feel like I've looked at my calendar like eight weeks in a row and said, all right, if I just get through this week, it's, it'll slow down a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe we are finally there. Um, but all right, Mitch, well, thanks, man. Um, we will see you on Saturday, which is only two days away. Cause I think I said at the beginning of this show that today was Wednesday, but it's actually Thursday. So I'm not sure if you knew that, but FYI, it's Thursday. I think the three days Wednesday through Friday of the early signing period are just one day. Have a good one, man. Appreciate it. All right. So Mitchell 40 joining us. Uh, and, uh, you can, can read everything he's done, everything I've done uh, from signing day. And we will have a little bit more. Mitch is working on another story, like he said, about the wide receivers and uh, have have plenty going forward on signing day 2022. Jakai Lang, 2023 kid out of Troy Buchanan, is announcing tomorrow. And we'll uh, have some something on that if it goes Missouri's way as well. So appreciate all you guys hanging out here with us. Um, we are going to take uh, next week at least off. Um, because, again, we are both going to be traveling. So no streaming next week, no 573 report. We can show any of that stuff. Uh, but we will be back the week after Christmas with this show. We're going to continue this show at least through basketball season. And as always, uh, PowerMizzou.com, you can, can check out everything that happens as it happens or at least shortly after it happens. Uh, again, just nine days left till Christmas. It's really almost eight days now because it's 2.30. But um, if you need a last-minute present or even if you – just need a present like if you don't consider this last minute it's still eight, nine days till christmas so if you just need to pick up a, a little extra something for a friend or you know your your wife your boyfriend buddy whatever 573tees.com or if you happen to be in columbia doing other shopping they have a physical location now in alley a between 9th and 10th streets in downtown columbia tell them you heard about it on power mizzou um, just just kind of let them know that what they do here, their partnership with us is doing them, them some good. And uh, they've certainly been great partners of ours for, I, I think, uh, a full couple of years now. And uh, so we ask you guys to just uh, spend a little bit of your Christmas money down at 573Ts or online at 573Ts.com. Pick out something. Hey, just go get yourself something. Like once you get to my, like my age, just buy your, your own Christmas present. It's cool. Um, 
my wife and I do that a lot of times. So check out 573 Tees for your shopping. Appreciate you guys hanging out, and we will talk to you later.